Hey everyone, welcome back to the Wisdom Collective. My name is Adam Crowell and this week's guest is Ryan Hartwig. Now Ryan is someone who gained a lot of internet popularity over the last couple of years because he was working for a third party company but a contractor for Facebook and his job there was to be a content moderator. And Ryan started noticing a number of strange things being asked of him as far as content moderation that felt like political censorship. And so Ryan got in touch with a number of different news organizations and one of them uh, eventually being an internet expose organization called Project Veritas and he went undercover. Kind of like we used to watch back in the day on Dateline and on other shows, Ryan wore camera equipment and he wore audio equipment and went into meetings and uh, began to record uh, what he was being asked to do working for Facebook and in particular uh, censoring speech, especially political speech. And he just started documenting all of this work, eventually releasing all of it uh, through Project Veritas not that long ago. And we get into all of that, and you may be wondering why we're doing this sort of separate intro from me just introducing Ryan uh, myself, and that's because at the beginning of our conversation, the microphone that I used fell over, and it was sort of a mess. So I'm introducing him here and queuing up the dialogue, but I hope you guys enjoy, and here's Ryan. But let's let you tell your story a little bit. You, you did a project. Um, I don't know how you got into it, how you got connected to it or anything, so I'll let yeah. you just tell it. Um, but you went undercover for a contractor working with Facebook and were able to tell a lot of inside story that people wouldn't know otherwise. So why don't you tell some of that story? Yeah, that, that's correct. Uh, so I was a, yeah, so my name is Ryan Hartwig and I, in 2018, in March of 2018, I got a job working for Cognizant or an IT company. And honestly, like when I applied for the job, I didn't know it was Facebook, but it turns out it was doing, doing work for Facebook. So mm. pr prior to that, I mean, I was working as a security guard. Um, but I do have a bachelor's degree in Spanish. It just, I, I was working as, as a security guard until I found something better. And this job that I applied for, it was using my Spanish. So that's why I liked, it appealed to me. Sure. The, 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 the job title I was applying for was bilingual social media content moderator. So I just knew it dealt with social media, dealt with Spanish. And so I got the job. And so when I finally got hired, they told us, Oh, you're actually going to be working for Facebook. Um, and so <laughs> was, was the, kind of, was the interview process pretty intense? You're like, there's, I don't know what these people are doing, but this is, there's something going on here. Or was it pretty just pedestrian? And yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty intense. Like, uh, before you even knew they were working for, you were working for Facebook, they sat you down in the interview and they showed you like graphic imagery, like, Hey, just to let you know, in this job, you're going to be seeing a lot of violence, a lot of like torture mm -hmm. videos. Um, pornography, um, explicit things. So they, they let you know, they give you a heads up of what the job would entail. Um, and then, yeah, so I started in March of 2018 and the training was about a month long. So, and now, yeah, so I started reviewing, started uh, basically, I was basically a censor. So I basically deleted content or reviewed content in Latin America um, so one by one, like something would pop up on your screen. It could be like a, a cartel video where they're, they're shooting someone or it could be a car accident and you have to make a determination whether to, to delete it, delete the content, leave it on the platform, or you could like put an interstitial on it. Like if it's a graphic video, you would put a little interstitial so people have to click through. Um, so yeah, those are, the, those are like the filters that pop up and say, FYI, this is like sensitive content. This might not be good for everyone's eyes, right? And you got to click to get into the video. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in the policy, it, it was a lot of reading. Like 
it, you wouldn't expect it, but it was almost like you're, you're a paralegal because you had to look at one image, like a picture of, you know, someone like you just kind of random stuff. Like, like when we had to market for the AI, we had to train the AI. So if there was someone with a woman wearing cleavage, you had to market for cleavage. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. You had to identify. And it was, so we had the weirdest conversations. It was like, well, is that enough cleavage? Is there just, you know, <laughs> no, you're trying to rank order something like that. <laughs> seems, yeah, yeah. Right. So, right. um, but then the Paul, yeah, the policy languages was very, very wordy. So I'm reading the policy. I'm like, okay, does this match up? Um, and this might get relevant to where we're going, Ryan. Does that, does that add to the subjectivity of things when it's sort of like a fire hose of options and interpretation and stuff? Yeah, there is some ambiguity. I mean, the, the way the, the policy language is, it's, they try to make it as cut and dry as possible, mm-hmm. but there's always ambiguity. And, and if there's an edge case, if there's like a gray area where we're not sure, we raise it up to the client and the client Facebook ultimately makes the decision on it. So, and then, then they make exceptions to their own policy as well. So whenever they want, they can just make an exception yeah. and not follow their own rules. Um, so yeah, that was there for just under two years. The project actually ended this past February. So Cognizant uh, ended the project, ended the contract prematurely. And um, so, yeah, but we saw a lot of election content as well. We saw, they had policies about abortion, about, you know, these, these feminists protesting or the pride marches. Mm-hmm. So of course for Facebook in a, in a, if they're doing a protest, if the LGBT are doing a protest, Facebook allows bare female nipples in a protest context. So that's just one, one quick example of how they make exceptions for certain movements. Right. Um, but yeah, I have a list and we'll go into this more in detail maybe, but um I have a list of like 43 examples that I exposed. So how I got involved with Project Veritas. Um, explain to people a little bit. Um, there's going to be a yeah. lot of people that are online and know um, who Project Veritas is, but there'll be others that don't necessarily. So explain a little bit of the connection there too, if you can. Yeah. So uh, Project Veritas does undercover journalism. And I'd heard of them a little bit before. And it's funny because they always get confused with the other group who exposed the uh, Planned Parenthood clinics, the abortion uh, videos, but that that actually was not Project Veritas. But they do right. similar type things where they film with a hidden camera. Um, so after I'd been there about a year at Facebook, uh, moderating content, deleting posts, comments, pages, um, also for Facebook and Instagram, I'd been there about a year, and then I noticed. Obviously, I did not go in there with the intention of filming. I, I just needed the job, and it had good benefits. Um, but then I noticed about it after a year, like how a few examples of bias, like, okay, they were making exceptions and, and allowing attacks against conservatives or favoring the left. So in May of 2019, I reached out to, well, I, I wrote a letter with like 19 examples and I sent it to a couple of politicians, uh, congressmen mm-hmm. and senators. And I didn't, did not hear back. So at that point I reached out to a couple of journalists and then I ended up getting in touch with Project Veritas and they re- yeah so that that started around in around summer of 2019 is when i first reached out to them mm-hmm. and then the next nine months until the end of the project i was filming with pretty regularly um they they provided me with a hidden camera and i i filmed so was that an intense process or was it did, did you eventually just get used to it or did you feel kind of like on edge every time you were doing that or 
uh, initially when you're filming with a hidden camera it's it's you're very on edge and it's funny there's a funny movie called uh like a comedy with a matt damon i believe like called the informant i think it's yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> right and uh he also did the same thing like film for the fbi but and um yeah yeah it, it was very stressful from the get-go initially but after a while after i was filming like regularly every day it became normal and I didn't yeah. have the nerves, but yeah, initially there was a lot of nerves, a lot of nerve wracking because you're just paranoid about it. Like, oh, you right. think you can, they can see the camera. Um, but yeah, you get used to it. And uh, it's, at one point you almost forget that you have a camera on. Yeah. Yeah. Cause how long did you said you said already, but how long were you doing this for? Well, t- from start to finish, there's about nine months total, but really the bulk of when I filmed uh, was the last like three or four months Mm-hmm. Well, in the last two months, for sure, I was filming like almost on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you have some examples of sort of what I believe um, the examples you said, like 43 of them or so. These were the yeah. things that kind of sparked your interest of like something's not right here. And this this censorship seems to be running in one direction and it's a political one mostly. And you had some feelings about it, which is what caused you to talk with Project Veritas and do this undercover work before we talk about what you exposed. Um, through them, what, what are these things that triggered you to start a conversation? Well, reach out to senators first, like you said, get yeah. crickets, and then eventually reach out to some news organizations. Yeah, so the initial list, I don't have it pulled, I have the other list. Some mm-hmm. of their stances on abortion were, were questionable. Uh, like, for example, uh, they don't consider abortion as a violent death per their graphic violence policy. Um, there was an initial example where in the summer of 2018, there was just a viral video they showed a Trump supporter being attacked and because there was one curse word, because the, the person, the attacker was cursing at the minor, they mm-hmm. said to delete the, vid- the entire video. And it was just this viral video showing a Trump supporter being victimized. Right. Right. And so Facebook gave this little reason to, to delete it, to take off the, take down the video. So for uh, bad language of all things. And I'm not, I'm not yeah. trying to be prudish when I say this, but for all the things that are on even uh, primetime television, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, so there there was um there was that there was just their how they treat wh- white males. So uh, they gave an exception where uh Don Lemon said on air that white males are terror threats and Facebook even acknowledged they gave us guidance, they gave us instructions and they and they acknowledged that the phrase that Don Lemon said violates their hate speech policy. And I said, okay, Don Lemon broke the rules, but we're making a newsworthy exception to allow that phrase <laughs> when he okay. says it. So okay. yeah. And, and yeah. this probably piqued your interest in some respects, because if it, if it ran in another direction, color wise or politically, it probably would not have had the same level of treatment, at least maybe the exceptions could have been made, but it wouldn't have had the same level of treatment. Right. Yeah, culturally, we know that imagine if a Fox News anchor said black males are terror threats or Asian males are terror threats. If you put a substitute any other race, I mean, you know, you know, those anchors would get fired immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I saw that trend and, and it, we just found out that they actually Facebook codified this like they made it official that they deprioritize attacks on the white race. And um Another example is white trash. So white trash at one point when I was there was, was a delete, was uh, deleted, but then they changed it and they allowed that phrase. So white trash is no longer hate speech. Um, So it's just that double standard. I mean, yeah, clearly we don't want racism against any race, but why is there a double standard? Why is one race um, treated 
differently. Like that's the, de- that's the definition of racism, right? So. Right, right, right. It's a, that's the common definition of racism. There are some, some new definitions that are, um, especially in the activist wing that would say otherwise, but, um, and maybe we'll get there later, but it seems like they're taking that, that sort of, I don't think Facebook in particular is, uh, well, maybe they are. I don't, I don't know if as a whole organization, they're like an activist organization, but there's obviously people at certain levels of the organization that have that bent of a new or different interpretation of something like racism, where you could literally be okay with singling out a single race for any reason, you know? Yeah. Um, and it just, it's, it's, it's inappropriate in a, a post like civil rights society to do that. Um, it gets into so much of what MLK talks about, a content of character and not color of skin, right? Um, and, and yeah, and so anyway, um, to literally reverse that um, with, and you need a new definition of racism to do that, you know, you mm-hmm. have to. So they're sort of taking some of this bent with at least departments you're working with. And so you decide to go undercover with Project Veritas and uh, yeah. do some work. And they had been doing, I mean, it sounds like at the same time that you were doing this, there was a number of similar things happening with uh, people undercover with Pinterest or willing to expose things from Pinterest and others from Facebook, right? Yeah, the last couple of years, so starting in, I think, 2017, uh, I, you know, Project Veritas was really focusing on big tech. And so uh, Eric Cochran was the Pinterest insider, and he exposed how there was lists uh, or basically algorithms in the software. He was a software engineer, and there's algorithms that basically de-boosted content about pro-life um, themes. And then also there was Zach Voorhees, who was the Google engineer, mm-hmm. and they, he went public with Project Veritas. And we, they also had, they exposed, Project Veritas exposed Twitter, and they interviewed, a, they were talking to an engineer who was talking about de-boosting. So the whole de-boosting phrase, that terminology, came from Project Veritas exposing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think Project Veritas has made a lot of progress with, with big tech. And I will note, um, after the video came out this past June, uh, I actually gave some of the evidence to Congressman Matt Gates. And he submitted a criminal referral to the DOJ for Mark Zuckerberg. So that, that's some good results and impact from the work. Because it's, you know, it's one thing to get someone on camera just saying dumb stuff, right? Of course. Yeah, this isn't have, like Jimmy yeah. Kimmel on the street, though. This is like has real like impact on culture and legal and all the rest, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm really happy about that. And um, also, um, in October, in last month, in November, there was a... Um, I give some information to another attorney who filed an FEC complaint in Michigan in the Democrat Senate, in the Senate race between Democrat Gary Peters and John James. And so that was an FEC complaint against Facebook because they essentially made an in-kind contribution to the Democrat campaign by sense, by fact checking an ad from the Republican talking about transgender sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a couple examples from Facebook where they, they really just went against their own policy and, and favored the leftist view of transgenders. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there, there's some great impact. And uh, yeah, James O'Keefe, I met with him and interviewed with him in, in March in New York. And then we, 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 we waited for the release because in March, that was when COVID went really, really crazy. Right. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So the news cycle was just really difficult. Saturated. To deal yeah. With. Yeah. So. No, that makes sense. So then, you know, a few months go out and then you actually get the release or, you know, uh, James decides to release this stuff. So um, let's, we, you've touched on it in a couple of ways, but let's unpack, or if, I don't know if there's uh, a way to summarize, what did you expose in particular? Cause we talked about Pinterest had, that was fascinating, Ryan. I, when mm-hmm. that, 
when that Pinterest one happened, I thought once James had exposed it or Project Veritas collectively had exposed it um, with this insider, and I'm forgetting his name now. Who was the guy from Pinterest? Oh uh, yeah, Eric, uh, Eric. Eric Cochran. Yeah. Eric Cochran. Yeah. So once he had exposed it, um, I thought, okay, well, they'll just update and change their policy now. And it'll kind of be like a lost history thing where it's like, and it's, they, they won't even put out a statement. They'll just change the algorithm. And I don't even know if they have changed it back since. Like I've gone on like a number of times and tried to type in things like um, even like things like scripture or Bible or something like mm-hmm. that was like taken out. Like you couldn't look up like very basic words without yeah. substituting a U for a V or misspelling it on purpose or something. You couldn't even search these terms. You know? It's something uh, also that Facebook has in their policy that we changed, they added to their policy is that you're not allowed to quote a Bible verse if it violates the hate speech policy. So like, okay. Yeah. So yeah. for example, <laughs> if I quote a Bible verse that says like, if I just quote the, I'm just quoting the Bible verse, it's the Bible saying, if I just say, you know, if it says like kill all the Jews, I don't know if there's a verse that says that. Not to my knowledge, or, but if there was, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, or yeah, kill, yeah. You'll kill all the, yeah. um, the Amalekites or something. Or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. Amalekites yeah. and nationality. That's a nationality. That's a protected characteristic that violates the hate speech policy. So that's, they would delete that. Um, yeah. So prior, prior to this, you could, anyways, yeah. So the, the, the fact that you can delete a Bible verse just because it goes against their hate speech policy, it kind of shows the arrogance of Facebook. Like they, they think they're above everything and they had, they will, they will a lot of power. Like, I don't yeah. think in, there's any time in the history of the world where we've had a company, well, our population has probably never been this big in the history, in the history of the right. world, but we have this company that controls like uh, 3.7 billion people. Like a third mm-hmm. of the entire world, world population is pretty much under Facebook's thumb. And looking at it through the percentage based thing, you're right. It's still the biggest. It doesn't matter if we do like the hard, the hard numbers, like you said, will be skewed because the population is bigger than ever before. But percentage wise, having yeah. someone who has their thumb uh, on the scale or on the ready for canceling or weighing like what is and is not appropriate in sort of an editorial way uh, that's brand new in human history. That's brand yeah. new. Um, especially at the stretch and reach that they have. Right. Um, this isn't yeah. localized. Um, like in previous empires, you could say like, well, Rome had so much in the known world, like under their thumb, but it's like, but the local expression of that was so different. This is, this is way different. So. And, and it's interesting how Facebook treats religion, religion as well. And, um, we can talk about it a little bit. So when I started on the the, uh, I started as a content moderator on the Spanish side. So I was doing Latin America. Yeah. And so all my coworkers were Hispanic, like from here, from Phoenix, Arizona. And I was one of the, like two white guys. Yeah. And uh, I lived in Mexico City actually doing a church service mission. So that's where I learned Spanish. So I speak it very fluently. But, uh, you know, most Hispanics, even, even this younger generation in Arizona, are fairly conservative. Right. Um, you know, pro-life and everything. And, uh, and then most of them are, are against a lot of them, maybe less now are, are against, um, gay marriage and such. And so they introduced this policy change in, during pride month. And the policy manager, Sean came by and, and gave a presentation to all, all the Hispanic, the Hispanic side, um, and the content moderators. And so it's funny cause he, he left out the part where they said, straight white males are filth. So they made, made a policy exception. They allowed the phrase straight white males are filth for not supporting LGBT. Mm-hmm. But, and, but he left that out of the presentation. He added in the PowerPoint he sent to us later. But I was wondering if he was trying to gauge like with Hispanics, like not to like offend them. Um, now, 
what's interesting is in Mexico, we saw a lot of memes that, that mocked Jesus Christ. So mm. Mexico is very Catholic, but this younger generation growing up, I think they're, a lot of them worship the, uh, what's it called? The Santa, the Santa Muerte okay. and yeah. uh, are more anti-Catholic. But we saw these memes that were mocking Jesus. And so it showed Jesus on the cross, like a cartoonish thing. And some of them were very sexually explicit, like showed him in a sexual position, doing things sexually, mm. very offensive if you're yeah. a Catholic or, or Christian. Um, and it's funny because they're in, in our bowling policy, we had a, a part of the policy that was supposed to disallow claims of blasphemy, but we never enforced it. And then it's interesting to see the disparate treatment between how Facebook, Facebook treated Islam as a religion and Christianity. Of course, so yeah. a perfect example is there were other memes that showed Muhammad like in a sexual position with, with goats. And so there's a specific call out in, their, in the hate speech policy that said you cannot show Muhammad with a goat in a sexual position. Like that, that is hate speech. But mm-hmm. there, was no, there was no similar um, guideline or specific call out for Christianity and Jesus on the cross. So if I have a meme of, of uh, you, know, you know, and I don't a agree. A central with prophet, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't agree with the hate speech, obviously. But if you show like Muhammad as a goat humper with a meme you know, uh, yeah. next to a goat, that gets deleted instantly. But if you show a meme of Jesus on the cross, like literally, you know, someone like doing an oral act on him, yeah. a sexual act, that's allowed and it's not taken down. So I think that double standard is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is. And um, I'm curious. I mean, I, I, I think everyone, um, I think anyone listening, even those that would be sympathetic to that would understand why that is. I think it gets back into the idea of... Um, well, what we were saying there's there's sort of an activist take on things and it is yeah. it's it really tied in with this idea these ideas of intersectionality obviously there are groups that are that have power and groups that do not have power mm-hmm. and that idea might even be true at a very um i guess like non-moral take like there, there are just there's people that have however you measure power whether it's just money or whether yeah. it's health or whether it's whatever there are people, individuals that have more than others, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the question is, can you unilaterally class that within sexuality, race, religion, or whatever, to where anyone who is, quote unquote, the majority population or people or whatever you want to say, is therefore not only has power, but that power is pernicious. Now we're going to moralize yeah. like good guys and bad guys, right? And so there are good guys and bad guys within that framework. And that's it seems like exactly the way that's cashing out, right? Where it's, mm-hmm. uh, there's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, on that note, so I mean, yeah, the people in power they want to stay in power, and and I think the left, you know, they have control of the universities and they're pushing their their leftist ideology, which most of it is anti-Christian, and and uh, and so these and then they have to elect to mock Christian people. So we saw that with Obama, where he would mock people with their guns and their 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 Bibles, you know. And um, I saw a meme recently because we're people were talking about secession and different states leaving the right. country and there was this meme that a leftist journalist put that showed a map of the united states and it showed like california and you know the northwest being split up and joining the united states of canada which included new york and then in the midwest and pretty much the middle of the u.s they, they called it jesus land <laughs> so i mean the left loves to mock and you see it on the late night shows they love to mock christianity mm-hmm. and um yeah and the, the abortion thing so one example of that of that power yeah. that they have is in alabama a couple of years there was that late-term abortion law 
And all of the left just started like through a fit and said, we're trying to tell about all about what they should do. And, and Alyssa Milano was posting this meme that we saw as content moderators. And it said, men should not be allowed, to, men should not be allowed to make laws about women's bodies. Okay. And that mm-hmm. phrase seems kind of normal. Like I wouldn't give it a second thought normally, but it actually violates Facebook's hate speech policy. Interesting. It, which, like which one or what would the yeah, policy be? Uh, so it's hate speech policy tier three exclusion. So because it excludes men from the political process, because you're saying oh, all yeah, men yeah. cannot make laws. So you're saying men can't be in politics. Basically. Right. If it, if it, if it goes across the gender line. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. 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 So, so Facebook said they acknowledge that and that the Mono's phrase, uh, Men can't be allowed. Men should not be allowed to make laws about women's bodies. Yeah. Violated the hate speech policy, but it was in the context of this about Alabama abortion law, and all the celebs were giving their two cents. So they made an exception to allow that phrase. So mm-hmm. they sided with the, the Hollywood celebs who were uh, advocating for abor- more abortion in uh, Alabama. Yeah. Um, so that's an example of their power. The, the Facebook saying, "Hey, the celebs, we can they would do they can do whatever they want. If you're Don Lemon, Alyssa Milano." You can say whatever you want. We won't take your content down. Right, right. And, and well, I'd love to unpack some of the, uh, especially as we're finding out today, we're in the, the early weeks or middle weeks of December right now, um, of some of the, the willful and, and knowing suppression of information prior to the election was uh, fascinating would be the wrong way to put it. It was it's kind of reprehensible. So I'd love yeah. to unpack some of that. Before we do that, though, um, I, I don't want to like leave some things behind that we didn't unpack. You, um, you exposed some things at Facebook in, in particular is starting to have some political implications, which we'll talk about in a bit, but um, what in particular did you film? Um, and then obviously you don't work there anymore. Did this cause you to lose your job or how did, how did you get found out and what, what happened there? Yeah. So um, it's, it's funny because uh, yeah, it's, I was almost, yeah, the, the project ended before I could get fired. So they never found out mm-hmm. that I was filming. But if the project, if the contract had continued, then I would have probably, the video release would have happened while I was working there. But as it turns out, yeah, the pr- Facebook just ended the project. We all got laid off in February. Yeah. So that's how it all worked out. But, um, but yeah, so I filmed a lot of the policy, but I also filmed my coworkers um, talking about how they delete a lot of Trump posts and anything that mentions MAGA, they, they delete it. So that's what a lot of what I filmed. Um, so in the video expose, the 20 minute video that came out originally with Project Veritas, they touched on a few of those examples, like how they lump you know, Nazis and MAGA together in the same policy, how the, the, the straight white males are filth example, how they make exceptions to allow that. And then I also got in trouble with HR because I shared a link to me at a protest from like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some of the things in the video. So in Jan, so I'll tell you the HR experience. So um, five years ago, I went to a protest outside of a mosque in Phoenix. This was 2015. And this was like shortly after the Charlie Hebdo massacre. And also shortly after two guys from Phoenix tried to go assassinate people who were drawing Muhammad. So it was a freedom of speech rally. And I showed up and I was, I was actually holding cartoons. I'm on the cover of LA Times. So I shared, but all I did was share the link to a coworker at work uh, of me on the cover of the LA times holding a sign that had literally had Charlie Hebdo cartoons, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and these guys just got brutally slaughtered like four months prior. Um, And you have things locally that are kind of happening. Yeah. 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 
And so I shared this link to a coworker and he went all the way up to like HR compliance, the top of the food, food chain. And a couple of weeks later, I got pulled in for an interview and I happened to be filming. I didn't know what happened to be filming when I got pulled into HR. Mm. And so that was a big part of the, the video. It showed them saying, hey, you're getting a corrective action. You're getting basically punished for sharing this link. Because, and they said that it advocates for violence and it's discriminatory in nature. But I said nothing discriminatory. I just shared a link. Like it was, it was the LA, LA Times, Times saying. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't see how they can construe that me being at a rally holding cartoons as being discriminatory. Yeah. Now, I remember watching that. But what was the, for those who haven't seen it yet, they should go watch it. Um, but yeah. it, in short, what was the, what was their like justification or their sort of, uh, well, because they didn't, I'm sure they didn't just let you go and say, actually, Ryan, you're right. We take it back. Like, so what, where did they <laughs> land on what they I, I, Yeah, I tried to get them to take it back. I wrote a very long, long letter to them yeah. explaining like, hey, this is my First Amendment rights. Like I was just, I'll do a share link. So they said that I, so initially they said advocating for violence and discriminatory. They backpedaled. So there's a second HR interview okay. where I get pulled in and there's, a, there's like two other people with my local HR person and the local HR person, Natasha, she's like freaking nervous. Because the first and the first meeting was just her and me, and the second one she had like. This her is boss. the one I remember with like three people in the room. I think other than yourself, like four total. It seemed like yeah, or maybe it was three total, but yeah, yeah. And so yeah, so yeah, Natasha with the HR person was nervous, and the, the backpedal. So they said, okay, well, it wasn't be we're not, we're not punishing you because you were advocating for violence. You violated our um, uh, what's it called uh, acceptable use policy. So you used the chat for personal purposes. Oh, so okay, okay. she's like, well, you know, someone could get in trouble for the same thing if you share a, a link to like a soccer game. So yeah. that, that's the reason they made up. So acceptable use. And it's funny because the SRT chat was actually a, a tool by Facebook. It was a, a Facebook tool. So oh, okay. we were using a client system and I violated their, their acceptable use policy for using it for personal use, which everyone in the office could get in trouble for the same exact thing like people use it for personal use all the time oh yeah it's unavoidable i mean and there's crossover and all the things right yeah 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 um and it's just a quick way to connect up with people that's that's interesting yeah 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 and that's a it's another example though it's a very local and interpersonal example of the same thing we're talking about of sort of using uh nuance and discernment and stuff in some cases and then in others being like very strict and very by the book about policies that you have but then in other cases like if you did something, even something overtly political that you wrote, maybe even, um, which this was just an LA Times article, like you said, but maybe you wrote something political, but it went in the other direction. I, I doubt you'd be called in to three HR professionals from not just the local, but also outside uh, voices or high ups. It's like, yeah, I doubt well, that would happen if you did in the other direction. Yeah, the biggest dichotomy is that, um, so that happened to me in th this past January. And then later that month, I think later that month, yeah, I was filming and my coworker sitting behind me was literally saying, and this is in the video, she was saying, um, she was talking about uh, the Iran bounty. So in, in January, Iran put an $80 million bounty on Trump. And so she said, yeah, I would take, I would take that. I would take one for the team and, and take out Trump. Like she was literally talking about assassinating the president of the United States. Right. Yeah. And she, of course, you know, nobody raise that up to HR or she didn't get in, in trouble at all with HR for that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a personal statement. Not like you said, an article from someone else that you just happened to be pictured it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Okay. So I want to talk about um, a few things. I want to talk about our current or our most recent election 
and sort of some of the things you think are going on there. And I love to start landing the plane on because this starts affecting, you have an inside voice to sort of the, the goings on there. You have some experiences there, which is good. But then there's the rest of us that are outside of big tech and are sort of interacting with it and using it and participating in it. Mm -hmm. um, I love to try and figure out what does all this mean for us? Because there was even a, a recent Cato Institute and others have put out some studies about people that are genuinely, and maybe this is the case that you felt like you were in, in some respects, that are genuinely, it was something like, it was a majority, but I think it was like 60 to 70% of those who are right or lean right are afraid to speak about their politics at work because they fear um, the, that it would harm their promotion or their um, continued employment. And so, yeah. and it was interesting, it was almost inverted. It was something like 20% of those that are left or left leaning had almost no fear. Um, but yeah, centrist felt almost 50-50, but which isn't a shocker. But mm -hmm. that is interesting. And I don't think those fears are overblown or um, exaggerated, you know, um, or either of those concerns, I guess. Those who don't worry about losing their job and those who do, I think they're probably pretty accurate. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd love to land the plane there because that, yeah. that impacts all of our lives, right? Yeah. And how we do something about this. But before we do that, let's talk about our current election, some policies okay. that have come out, whether from YouTube or Facebook, or whatever. What... Give us some of your hot takes about what we've saw through the uh, the last couple months here. Yeah, so uh, like in mid October, we we saw that uh, there was a day in mid October when hundreds of YouTube channels just got deleted off the face of the earth uh, with no warning whatsoever. So one the one I remember is SGT Report, who I'd done an interview with a couple months prior, and so um, myself and Zach Voorhees, the the uh, Google engineer. A Google, Google whistleblower, we had created a lawsuit and we, we raised about $130,000 within about 10 days. Mm -hmm. And we filed an emergency uh, injunction in California against YouTube. Um, and so that's still, we had the first hearing and there, there's probably going to be an appeal. Um, but yeah, we saw that huge. So th that was a sign that things were going to get worse, right? Because mid-October, a couple weeks before the election, yeah. all these accounts get deleted that are all right wing. Um, so there's been some things this this year that big tech that Congress has been doing against big tech. So in May we had the executive order from Trump saying, "Hey, these big tech big tech companies are censoring political speech. They can't be doing that." And and we had some proposals for legislation from Paul Gosar from Arizona and Andy Biggs. And then just recently, I think last week, uh, Tulsi Gabbard and Paul Gosar introduced some legislation right. to yep. uh, against big tech. But also last week. Well, it's, it's been huge. So not only if the Congress, but the DOJ. Um, so in, I believe in October, or yeah, we had uh, the DOJ lawsuit against Google for antitrust, which is huge, huge. Yeah. Because uh, there's, there's Section 230 and there's antitrust. And then also last week we had 48 uh, states file a lawsuit, an antitrust lawsuit as well against Facebook, in addition to an FTC lawsuit against Facebook. So things are ramping up, not just from congress and the politicians these endless hearings where they talk and talk and then don't do anything right. but i think the the where some action we're going to see some action is from the the doj lawsuits for antitrust um so we've yeah we've had a lot of action going on but some people like steven crowder on twitter saying well okay you guys had you've had four years to talk about section 230 and repealing section 230 and nothing's really happened so i don't know if it's too little it's too late uh, we also have a Supreme Court lawsuit coming up in two months with uh, Jason Fick, who's suing Facebook, and that would possibly reinterpret Section 230 correctly 
And so for those of you who don't know, Section 230 is a law from 1996. It, it's called the Communications Decency Act, and it was created to protect children on the internet, essentially, and allow these companies to like remove objectionable content without getting sued by people, yeah, the people on the on on the internet. So it, it's a law that basically Facebook has used to its advantage to and morph morph the law into protecting their own brand, their own brand integrity. Um, so now we tangled up with investors and everyone else, right? And, and uh, user satisfaction and all whatever metric they want to put on it. But that Section two thirty, it's like so many things. Um, that's a completely appropriate uh, law to pass. Like, hey, you can moderate content that's like abusive of children. That's completely appropriate. Mm -hmm. But then like the, the crazy thing is that um, interpretation and precedence, you know, it, it sets a precedence and then allows for interpretation of, well, harm done for what about, that's reason X, but what about reason Y? Like harm done for reason mm -hmm. Y. And it's something like political speech or these other things we've been talking about. It allows you the freedom and sort of the legal precedence to moderate content in a safety direction, whatever safety is, you know? Right. And I agree. Like there should be some way for them to take down objectionable content, but I think hate speech is very, very vague. And, and we know they've right. used people, sources like Southern poverty law or the uh, ADL to, as their sources, which actually classify Christian, certain Christian groups as like hate groups. I think there was yeah. a group, a really benign group that was classified as a hate group just because they are pro-life. Um, right. So, so we see this is what we've seen with the elections. So overall, in summary, we've seen big tech really take their gloves off, go all out. They they really don't care anymore. That they know that people know that they're being biased. Um, and so yeah, and so in part have, because of work you and well, obviously Project Veritas and others are doing, it's exposed some of this stuff. And so they basically had a choice: either change or just say, "All right." here we go. Like it's known, but we're just going to keep rolling. And uh, right. I mean, it seems like that's the option they took. Um, but yeah, it's, anyway. yeah, it's almost like a business decision because I think they know that if Trump won again, that they'd be facing a lot of lawsuits, but if Biden won, they'd be, they'd be able to keep on doing what they're doing. So from a business decision, they don't want to, you know, stop cease existing. And so that's why they're supporting Biden. But yeah, it's just, Oh man, it's been full throated. Just, blatant bias where they're saying now we just saw youtube censor where yes. you can't talk about anything about the election or claim that there was or the f the word of the the election right that we won't <laughs> say so we don't get pulled or whatever but it's like yeah you literally we're getting voldemort about this stuff you can't say some words about the election uh without yeah. getting this video shut down or whatever that is that is wild stuff and uh, it's 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 yeah. genuinely um orwellian and what's so weird is uh it's always, and I don't know if it's like pernicious or, or whatever. I don't want to read people's minds too much, but mm -hmm. it's always, it's always things that like pretty much everyone can agree to, to some degree. Like, oh yeah. Like, so like Alex, the Alex Jones example is a good one. Like Alex Jones gets pulled down and most people were either totally for it or somewhat indifferent. They're like, yeah, he's kind of wild. And he does say some like inappropriate things sometimes that like I'm mm -hmm. not comfortable with. So I guess whatever, but it's like, now you set like a precedence, you know? Yeah. That, that these companies have permission to, and for those who don't know, Alex Jones, yeah, he's wild in plenty of ways, but he was unilaterally canceled from every publishing platform and most monetary platforms as well. His ability to like literally collect money from people that wanted to donate was yeah completely taken away at the same time. So that's not an, an accident. That's not that these people aren't talking. So a handful of bottlenecks at the top of these big companies 
move like that. And that's, yeah. again, it's one person. Most people are like, eh, whatever. Or yeah, like that should have happened. But that's not good when it starts trickling into like vague things like hate speech or whatever we're talking about, right? Yeah, well, I was there at Facebook when they, act, when they took down InfoWars, when they told us to, that he was no longer allowed on the platform. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, it was actually, a, it was worded as an emergency update. It literally, the post literally said, emergency update, delete InfoWars. And so, um, but yeah, it's so ironic because the name of his platform is InfoWars and then they're deleting him off the biggest <laughs> you know, social media platform <laughs> in the world. Um, exactly. Yeah. So uh, what was I going to say about that? So yeah. We, yeah. So you had, yeah. With uh, InfoWars, with hate speech, you're putting people on this list. So they classify people as hate figures like Gavin McInnes, Tommy Robinson. I, I'm pretty sure Kyle Rittenhouse is on a, a list somewhere. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's very dangerous with the power they have. So moving forward, I think we'll see what, how everything pans out. Um, but I, yeah, big tech has obviously played a huge role in the election. And I found it, the most shocking thing I, I saw was in the, one of the most recent testimonies hearings in, this, in front of the Senate, uh, Jack Dorsey testified that Facebook, that Twitter does not have the, the ability, the capacity to influence an election. Dude, that was Not, not that they even influence, they don't have the capacity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's completely false. So. Oh, it is. Because if that was in, in the... Uh... There, there's been a number of things like this. There's some of it's around uh, issues of censorship like this. There was a version of this around um, human rights issues. There was a people that have that le- level. So the human rights one I was going to share about, there was an interview of a BBC anchor interviewing a Chinese diplomat and showing videos. Another, it was a drone video of Uyghur Muslims literally being loaded up on trains, blindfolded and shaved and uh, in jumpsuits, matching jumpsuits with bags over their head. And, uh, that's like very inappropriate and uh, obviously yeah. it's a human rights atrocity and uh regardless of it like where they're going that's just not appropriate um and and so anyway uh this video gets goes viral again it was sort of an older video but they ask mm-hmm. this uh, diplomat they say hey do you have anything to share about that he's like have you ever been to Xinjiang like it's a beautiful region and just starts basically trying to be like we're not talking about this yeah and uh they the to his credit, the, the interviewer goes, no, 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 like back to the video right now. Like this is inappropriate. Do you denounce this? Or do you have a comment about what this is or whatever? And he's like, you know, the West isn't perfect. And he starts just dogging on the wet. But what was crazy to me is that he knew that regardless of what he said in that moment, that he didn't have to answer that question because he would not be held accountable after the fact. He knew yeah. he had that level of power. And it's the same situation here with Jack and Twitter. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's saying isn't true. Like he, because if what he was saying was true, they wouldn't moderate any of the content, any of the political content. Because if they didn't yeah. have any power capacity, it's like, then why do anything, right? To, because you're admitting that the platform has the ability to influence election once you start moderating yeah. political speech. So that's a lie, but, but just right there. And, uh, yeah. But then he knows that he can say essentially a double standard lie out loud and the accountability does not exist after the fact, other than possibly some of these legal things that you and others are getting into. Yeah. And uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's as interesting as it is frustrating, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, yeah, and, and I saw them witness, I saw them tell us at Facebook to, you know, look for trends, political trends. And so it's clearly they were flagging and looking for, for trends as far as politics. Um, so what was the last topic we needed to touch on before... Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Before we land the plane here, um, I want to talk about and um, or can we? I want to talk about some of what does this do for like those that are in my shoes and others that aren't working in tech and aren't in legal disputes like you and um, others like that are just using these mm -hmm. um, services, uh, whatever we want to call them, um, these platforms. Like, how do we? interact with it? How do we resist participating in the bad versions of it like you're talking about? But are there ways for us to sort of push back or do different or whatever? Um, yeah, I, I mean, do, yeah, yeah. Facebook become so ubiquitous. And then a lot of the legal arguments, uh, you know, we, we discuss, we talk about Facebook as, as a public square. And you know, technically Facebook still is a private platform. And when you sign and agree to use Facebook, you pretty much sign away, you know, any, all your privacy. But, um, you know, if yeah, Facebook has become essentially a public square, like we said before, about 3 billion active daily users. So if it is a public square and I can't talk about immigration, like I, if, I even, if I even say keep Canadians out of the United States, that violates the hate speech policy. So right. I, I can't discuss immigration, can't discuss politics. So we see thousands and thousands of people who are talking about politics who are getting censored or their accounts deleted. And this, these are their accounts. That's how they connect with all their family and friends. So it's a very, very valuable tool. And like, I still have a Facebook because I have a lot of my friends from high school on there. But um, so it's a very valuable tool, but it's used as a, as a cudgel against conservatives. Um, so what can you guys do? Well, we do have some new apps, uh, you know, new platforms like Parler. There's one called MeWe as well. Um, there's Gab. So I mean, yeah, use those as well. But I mean, don't go off of Twitter completely. Because if you if we all go off if all the conservatives go off Twitter and Facebook, then the only people left will be we uh, liberals. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's really tough. I one of my friends she said she was getting censored or deboosted on Facebook, and so she changed her her religion and and status to like atheist Democrat. <laughs> uh huh. And and she said that it made a difference that her she her content was. Uh, Back up to what she expected it to be. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's just I think it's just egregious the fact that there's so much political censorship going on. Um, as users of in the 21st century, there's really no way to ignore social media. Like it's really hard unless you're going to go live in a cave or live in a cabin in the woods. You pretty much have to use social media. Um, mm -hmm. And I so, tried talking about like the the like those that are warm to censorship. Let's say mm -hmm. I've tried talking to them about. Um, to try and help them understand like how crazy of a time this is for what we're talking about is just saying, okay, at one point phone, phone lines were brand new, brand new. Right. Yeah. And it was in private companies and it was a total privilege to have one whatever. But as they became more ubiquitous, um, it starts teetering on, Oh, is this like a right or a public like thing or private thing still? It's a utility. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Utility. Yeah. That's, and that's yeah. part of what two thirties wrapped up in, or as I understand some of that, but the idea is like, yeah, it's a utility at some point. So what would be fascinating is I've said, like, imagine you're on a cell phone call mm -hmm. and like you say something like the election F word and just in a way you want to talk about it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and your call gets canceled every time you do that, you know, or every yeah. time you try to send a text about that, it gets, it could not send, which actually literally happened with like the Hunter Biden stuff on like direct messages, right. During yeah. the election, you could not send um, certain words or articles in relationship to Hunter Biden during an election. And now there are things that we're talking about publicly after like, yeah. parts of the election, which is bananas, right? So yeah. uh, when, I say, when I talk about it like that, though, most people are just like, yeah, that would be inappropriate. And it's like, mm -hmm. but that's kind of what we're talking about, right? Like these things are yeah. getting to utility levels, so. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Facebook, people, so many people use it to connect and, and the utility argument, obviously yeah, I wouldn't want the government to be like, have more regulation into like Facebook or the internet in general, because yeah. the whole concept of the internet when it was created like 20 plus years ago was to, uh, you know, have this free, you know, place that's not regulated by the, by the government where, uh, but, but it's become, you know, controlled so much by these big players like Google. Uh, I think they control like 80% of the web traffic or whatever. So, Really, it's, it's, you know, these corporations control the internet now and there's no free speech and, and people are like, oh, well, there's your freedom of speech, your First Amendment and um, compare it to, I think I'd like to compare it to the uh, Colin Kaepernick argument. So people okay. are like, oh, well, he shouldn't be allowed to kneel, right? And then people are like, well, technically it's a private forum because he's not standing out in the street kneeling. So it's not really, so the First Amendment doesn't really apply. And the same thing ha- is you know, on, on faith, the same thing applies in, on Facebook. Technically the first amendment does not apply. Fortunately, people want to use that argument, but it does not apply on, on Facebook because it's a, yeah. it is a private platform. Um, but yeah, once again, what is it? What is Facebook? And, and the, the laws we've had this dig, digital revolution in the last 10 years. And so it's hard for the laws to keep up, but what is Facebook is the platform is the publisher. Is it, is it your, your life is on Facebook? Like, yeah. yeah. My life, Facebook is my life for a lot of people. That's true. Mm-hmm. And so for Facebook to tell you what you can and cannot say. Yeah. So just section 230. Yeah. We're going to see over in the next couple months, we'll see some progress. Okay. Um, but the recent law, the recent, recent bill from Tulsi Gabbard and Paul Gosar basically would not allow Facebook to censor political content. Um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, Facebook, we all use social media. We all talk about politics pretty much on yeah. Facebook. And these com- corporations are saying, no, you can't talk about that. It's almost Chinese style censorship. We had a big tech coup. It's tech tyranny. And uh, so as users, you know, just try to use the market as much as possible. Try to use different uh, options. And yeah. that's probably the best bet. Yeah, because we are getting into straight up social currency style things where I even had, uh, so we're, we're getting off of it um, in a matter of weeks, but I had Expensify uh, with where we're at. Um, I, do you remember the thing that happened with them? Uh, oh, where they, sent the email, they sent the email out, uh, the CEO sent the email. Didn't, or, yes, or, yeah, he yeah. sent an email to literally yeah. every, every paying customer uh, got an email from the head of this company that was overtly political and was like, the fate of the nation depends on you not voting for Trump and, and not just not voting for Trump. You have to positively vote for Biden. And yeah. uh, it was very heavy handed. And he was, and he's like, this may feel uncomfortable and it's uncomfortable for me, but I'm so brave that this is so necessary. And he's like, oh, man. <laughs> no one in your company can ever disagree with you now about anything um, yeah. or, or share their thoughts even privately, because if that happens, uh, in a direction that's even soft. Like I feel like kind of politically homeless right now, like personally, yeah. like I'm not like a big, certainly not big MAGA. I'm certainly not, if there's a left and right divider and I'm certainly not Biden Kamala right now either. Yeah. And I just feel like politically homeless. And, but even for me, I wouldn't have a job at Expensify after that letter came out, you know, <laughs> or I wouldn't, I would have to just basically never share my opinion of anything. So and, speaking uh, of, uh, yeah. speaking of social currency and, uh, you mentioned a oh, political party in Arizona. They're going to start a new party called the Patriot party. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as social currency, also, I think believe last week, uh, Josh Hawley, the Senator talked about how 
uh, Pornhub just actually restricted right. the use of Visa and MasterCard on their websites. So a lot of people, I was looking through the comments and uh, people like, oh, well, this is a slippery slope. I'm like, well, it's a private, they're a private company. They're a private payment processor. They can do whatever the hell they want. Was mm -hmm. there maybe some pressure from legislation? Possibly, if, but if there's sex trafficking happening on, on these websites, these pornographic websites, and if there's human trafficking happening and, and child trafficking happening, that are child, children being exploited, like, I don't, I don't think that's a slippery slope. I, I, I don't Doing think nothing would be a problem too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like they're trying to compare it to like social currency. Like, oh, well, they can, they can not, not do transactions for our firearms. I'm like, okay, like buying a firearm is totally different than like watching a video of, a, of someone being, of a child being trafficked, you know, mm -hmm. um, a child being exploited. So I, I don't really think you can compare it to the gun thing. I mean, yeah, yeah, I think it, it can be dangerous if you were to say, okay, this is an objectionably moral, moral thing, if, but it's not morals. It's, it's against the law. So like the whole idea of libertarians is, oh, you shouldn't legislate morality, but here there's actual harm being caused. Like there's victims. So all mm -hmm. morality aside, like this, does this come harm, cause harm to society? Are there victims or, or is there damage being, being done? Mm -hmm. So, and yeah. And so it's not the same thing as legislation being passed. Like, Visa and MasterCard didn't have to wait for legislation being passed. They acted on their own, out of their own volition. I think that's better to have that happen than to have legislators legislate. The government tangled up in it. Yeah, yeah. totally. So. Yeah. No, that's good. Ryan, this has been helpful. I do want to encourage people, um, like you said, to consider um, at least just how they use social media, whether that means um, participating in other platforms from time to time or just also, um, I agree with you that we shouldn't just abandon all the ones that exist and just let them become the worst version of themselves. Um, so, but I would encourage people to remember, um, most of the time as a human being on the other side, and if someone shares something that's critical or thoughtful and nuanced, like engage there the, as best you can. And for all of the other um, just kind of sniping and, and easy dismissive comments, give those about as much attention as they deserve, you know, just kind of move yeah. on. And, uh, and there's ways to engage there. Um, that don't contribute or build the chaos monster. Um, mm -hmm. It's not, it, when we start playing fire with fire online, that is what happens. So yeah. anyway, if people could do that, it'd be super helpful. Um, and I do encourage people, if enough of us collectively grew a little bit of a backbone um, and not just being blind partisans, but being, Tulsi is a good example. I don't agree with all of her politics, but she has such a backbone to like disagree with mm -hmm. party lines and, and, uh, ideological possessed versions of her party. Um, yeah. If more people did stuff like that, um, even if they had a leaning left or right, it would, it would create a coalition of sanity that would be pretty impressive. So yeah, I would love it. So anyway, thanks for helping expose the mess that we're talking about, Ryan. <laughs> I appreciate it. It was a brave thing to do. You have a backbone too. Um, that, you know, like you didn't know the company was going to get uh, its contract ended. So that was pretty risky stuff. So thanks for doing yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me on. I think we had a pretty good discussion about that'll be pretty in good, interesting for all the viewers. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Should people follow you elsewhere? You're on Twitter. Should people connect um, up with you? I mean, yeah, you can go to my website, ryanhartwig.org. That's H-A-R-T-W-I-G.org. And then, um, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Real Ryan Hartwig, Instagram, and also Parlor, the same uh, handle. Mm -hmm. So at Real Ryan Hartwig on Parlor and Gap. So. All right. Awesome. And watch that video of Ryan doing some undercover work, you guys. All right. Yeah. Thanks again, Ryan. We'll see you. Right, thanks. Bye-bye.